0: You use MDF three quarter inch MDF, which is medium density fiberboard. You can find it in the lumber section of Home Depot or any store, any home improvement store. Okay, yeah, MDF is like is a lot of times used for. You can use it for speaker boxes, but like any sort of like like small like cabinetry. Oh, I
1: think use we to. use some of it here in my office here when I built some bookshelves.
0: Yeah, yeah, you can use it. It's a uh, it's pretty strong and it has a nice smooth finish.
1: Oh, huh. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Is that your recommend for <laughs>
0: medium <laughs> density fiberboard?
2: <laughs> I mean, it can be. It's
0: not, uh, not a problem. No, uh, I think I have a recommend. Uh, I watched I watched a movie. I know. Yeah. Is this the one you recommended last week? Oh, I did watch that too. Yeah. I went to oh, see Crawl. Yeah. Right. And I also watched a Netflix original. Uh, hmm. That was pretty fun. Yeah. Nice. Did you, I'm did whole, you, I'm,
1: can I, I'm going to make a prediction. Did you watch Point Blank? I did. Yep. Son that's of a exactly bitch. Right. You son of a bitch. <laughs> that's, that what that's what you were going to recommend? That's what I was going to recommend without seeing. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Predator Minute, the podcast that breaks down the 1987 action sci-fi classic Predator, one minute at a time. I'm John Zabrisky and I am Jeff Glover and today we're talking minute 48 48 the Tory Hunter of minutes hmm, hmm. you and all these baseball players <laughs> <laughs> That's the only real good recognizable player who popped up for number 48 <laughs> in sports so oh, yeah, 48 yeah. not that popular of a number so, so. Tory Hunter spells his name with two eyes yeah two eyes hmm. Tory, <laughs> Tory Hunter he was a uh, one of many athletic center center, center fielders in baseball in hmm. the late 90s, early 2000s, along with Andrew Jones and Ken Griffey Jr. I know who that is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know one of those names. <laughs> yeah, there's one. Yeah, well, we already did <laughs> Ken Griffey's number a long time ago. Oh, half of 48 yeah. is 24. So hey. there you go. It's just Ken Griffey times two. Excellent. All right. Uh, But well, we got lots of stuff to talk about in this minute, don't we? Yeah. So minute 48, we'll open it up here uh, with Blaine taking a projectile to the neck area. And minute 48 ends with the rest of the team lighting up the jungle with gunfire. This is an action packed minute. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we have
0: stuff to talk about with Blaine. We got stuff to talk about with the Predator. mm -hmm. We got some weapons talk um they really unload into that jungle don't they <laughs> yeah
1: this is this is uh, i would argue no i'm not going to argue this is factually one of the iconic scenes from the movie anytime you mention predator people are going to jump probably to predator imagery the monster itself they'll jump to a couple of the lines like maybe stick around stick around and i ain't mm-hmm. got time to bleed i ain't got time to bleed anytime if it bleeds we can kill it.
2: Dylan! Yeah, Dylan! Oh, painless is waiting. Red Baron.
0: Okay? I don't exercise. No traces.
1: A little Smokey. No!
0: Just bodies. Dude. Juan Valdez. I wouldn't waste that on a broke dick dog.
2: Badass bush. Cause some damn fool accused you of being the best. Dylan! Dylan! You son of a bitch! <laughs> What's the matter? The CIA got you pushing too many pencils. Payback time. Billy. Billy. Get to the chopper. You set us up. <coughs> it's all bullshit. A goddamn sexual
1: tyrannosaurus. Groovy.
3: I just want my kids back. What got
0: Billy so spooked? Jones. My name is Carl, the an expert. Let off some steam, Bennett.
2: I uh, trusted your old mother, boy. No sport. We a rescue team, not assassins he Dylan, "It's pretty sophisticated for a bunch of half-ass mountain boys."
0: Tango and cash. Targets the center of the
3: Palapa. There was a firefight. It's time to little painless pain out today.
1: No, oh, I'm afraid I just blew myself. We're all gonna die. You us, motherfucker. Mac. 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 And they'll definitely picture this scene in their mind of at least the far away shot of Mac mowing down the jungle with the minigun and then joined later by the teammates mowing down the jungle.
0: When I was a, yeah, when I was a teenager, this was the scene that I always remembered Mm -hmm. from, Seeing predator was when they all just fire off their weapons into the jungle. Mm-hmm. Um, it was simultaneously awesome, and I was also like, "But wait, they're wasting all their ammo. <laughs> <laughs> they're not hitting anything." <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, we will get to that. We have lots to talk about with the uh, with with that particular scene. But to kick things off here, we're going to lose another
1: team member, aren't we? Yeah, we're going to be uh, pouring one out for. The big man, uh, Blaine, mm-hmm. Jesse Ventura. Blaine the big man.
0: Claims he does not have time to bleed.
1: I ain't got time to bleed.
0: Yeah. Is proven
1: to be a liar. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, is, he is bleeding a lot. in a couple different times here, right at the beginning of the minute, yeah. as he's turning away from our friend, the Mexican tree porcupine (laughs) we'll stick to that Uh, he's struck Mm -hmm. by something in his neck slash ear area and as he's turning away more from the porcupine area he's blinking he's bloody he's shaky all of a sudden you hear this and the laser bolt blasting from up high in the trees hitting him in the back causing his chest to explode towards the camera he falls in a red mist as Dutch and Mac, Mac turn Mac, turn Mac. his way. And Max Mac sees Blaine fall. Oh, man. So we got some awesome
0: gore effects here. Two of them back to back, right? Back! 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh. Right. I, I was mentioning to you off mic that... Um, Prior to watching this so closely, I wasn't quite sure what causes the blood explosion, the first one that we see as Blaine is turning away from the from the porcupine. Yeah,
1: there's some controversy right here, too.
0: Yeah, and, and as I slow it down, you can see that there's actually a projectile yeah. of some sort. Uh, what, what we learn to be is a, like a spear-type uh, weapon?
1: Yeah, some kind of spear gun that comes more to fruition in the second movie, but in the beginning here, before... They really finished the creature effects and what exactly the Predator's weaponry was. They had to leave this kind of ambiguous, just like the script does. The script simply calls this a weapon when it, uh, Blaine is killed, this this earlier script. It doesn't describe it in any detail. I think yeah. the Thomas brothers are really looking for the movie magic to tell the story about what exactly it was. And even here, like you're saying, it's like a blurry screenshot. You can see it's not made clear. And we think it's a spear gun. People online will argue that it's other things, like a, a smaller blast from the shoulder cannon from the plasma caster. Some people claim it's uh, the Predator throwing some of Hawkins' guts (laughs) (laughs) at Blaine's head, which I love that. That's my favorite explanation. But growing up, I don't know about you, but I always thought growing up that this was like the Predator killing the little porcupine off screen and it's splattering blame. Oh. But when it's frozen in, in this context, you're, you're seeing some kind of projectile weapon, like a wrist gauntlet or like a harpoon gun.
0: Yeah, it is like so fast. You blink and you miss it. Um, and even just watching it, not blinking, like it is, it shoots through the frame very, very quickly. And, but if you do slow it down, like frame by frame, you can see a, a little sort of spear shaped projectile coming through Mm -hmm. and it flies right past him and then right as it flies past him we get this awesome splatter of blood
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and i was saying to you it it looks like someone is right off screen and just throws like a (laughs) blood capsule (laughs) yeah right at green's face because it just explodes all over his face and shoulder Mm -hmm. and we are to believe that this thing has cut through his shoulder or his ear neck area the the injury he sustains is somewhat ambiguous but it's enough to stun him, but not kill him, and, and shock him before the next fatal hit comes. Yeah, and
1: as he's turning away, like half a second after, half a second later after being hit by this harpoon or whatnot, uh, his. MTV shirt is just soaked in blood already. So it's some some fast acting bleeding that he's doing. Maybe maybe he means I ain't got time to bleed. I just bleed instantly. I don't take my time. I ain't got time to bleed. Right? (laughs) Instantly covered in blood when (laughs) all my blood just lets out all at once. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I don't like bleeding out slowly. I like bleeding instantly. (laughs) I'll I'll post this to the Predator Minute listeners, Palapa. But I, one screenshot I did include was of the original Predator costume when it's all just in red and it's kind of like that lizard-looking deal. Mm, and he mm-hmm. has clearly some kind of projectile weapon. You can find this online if you just search like "red Predator costume weapon." Right. It's it, it, he's he's holding something around. Like at really low, like at waist level. And it looks to be like kind of this tube. And you can see this projectile clearly flying out of that. Probably some after effect, I guess. I'm not really sure. Yeah. But it looks really similar to the projectile that hits Blaine in the beginning here. So before right. before they decided like exactly what the Predator's weaponry would be, it's, it's shown to be this weird thing flying out.
0: And it does its job because it stuns Blaine enough. And I really like the, the camera work as we swing around to get ready for the fatal shot. Yeah, some good shaky um, cam. Yeah, it's really cool. So like, it we get a shot of the gun as it's turning, and then it cuts to just Blaine kind of from the waist up and his mouth is agape after being hit. And as the camera rotates around him, we see in the background the Predator up in the trees and this blue bolt just flying through the air. And I really like just the way that reveals itself as the camera is turning and Mm -hmm. another quick cut back to Blaine kind of from below shows his chest, just exploding blood. Yeah. Just a red mist all over the camera, essentially. (laughs) Right at us. (laughs) It's really great. Yeah. Yeah. Right over the audience. If this was a, uh, a Gallagher, concert the front row would be (laughs) soaked right right they'd be getting their money's worth basically yeah but that's also just a great gore effect like you can tell they just had like a i don't know like a blood a blood gun or a blood blower that they just you know just exploded red blood all out from his chest area it's really
1: great yeah and when i slow it down when he's first hit um i think they do this work enough to to cause some damage to his MTV shirt because it looks like when it's slowed down that that it goes from at least the top of the M goes from like normal altogether shirt to like Rip shirt as the rest of it explodes. Yeah. it's it's i couldn't find anything about the actual them describing how they did the effect but there are a lot of pictures online of, uh, of this effect which is uh, pretty neat to see it up close and still imagery
0: yeah because we get a quick reaction shot from dutch and then it comes right back to blaine and we get just full frame right in the center a shot of his chest exploded open and that poor mtv shirt is no more yeah It is just a big patch of red flesh. (laughs) (laughs) Blood flying everywhere still. And he just falls to his knees. There goes Blaine. One more team member down for the count.
1: Who's last to see him fall but Mac, his his friend, his com um, Mac his comrade in arms.
0: This this minute's broken up into really kind of three sections and, and we'll move on to the next parts. But did you have more to add about Blaine's death? Or any anything else with the special effects or anything? Uh,
1: I think that's all I had for for that. Um there's some details about the actual weapon that Predator uses to kill him, but I'd love to say plasma caster talk for later on when he is using it more often got it okay yeah it is called the plasma caster officially right that's pretty
0: cool name that should be the name of our podcast
1: Plasma (laughs) there we go there we go the plasma cast
0: (laughs) uh well i'm looking forward to that uh you've got some cool info on the plasma cast thanks
1: yeah
0: poor blaine dies a horrible death here and the next sequence of this minute is going to be um, Mac, Mac, Mac running through the jungle he emerges from the leaves and looks up and we get a pretty great shot of the what would you call this the cloaked predator yeah. he's in his he's in his uh, his camouflage um, again this really cool effect where we can see the outline of him but we get this new addition with, where his eyes kind of glow yellow when he when he sees Mac standing
1: there yeah, yeah which is pretty neat I'm not really sure what to make of the glowy eyes other than it's this intimidation game. Like he knows, he yeah. knows he can barely see, he knows Matt can barely see him. So he's going to give him like a little taste, a little tease that he can clearly see Mac. Right. Yeah.
0: He, uh, he obviously does it on purpose. I think it is just, you know, In terms of the story, you're right, like an intimidation thing. In terms of the movie, I think it's just a really cool looking effect to throw in there to give the audience something uh, to go, whoa. And uh, so Predator, so then the Predator just turns around and runs, and Max screams, What does Max scream? (laughs) (laughs) And then starts firing. And that alerts all the other team members to come join. Mm -hmm. So, what does he mean by? contact why would he yell that
1: hey i'm glad you ask uh, because <laughs> the way it's used in this movie it's well it's it's kind of a debated term in military lingo some people would associate the word contact with i see the enemy some would use the word contact to let the rest of the team I'm engaging the enemy. And some would simply use the word contact to mean I'm encountering bullet fire from the enemy. Mm. And you would say something like contact, right contact, left contact, front contact, rear, um, Mm. as well as throwing out some different, uh, some different directions, such as contact left 30 meters, and maybe you just say contact left 30 uh, and then you'd say invisible guy (laughs) because you describe who you're firing at. You you throw a couple other descriptors in there uh, so that people know exactly where the contact's coming from. But by the time the team arrives, it's very clear where (laughs) the contact, was or is straight ahead and this uh large field of fire is basically the rest of the jungle i'm looking at just fire into the jungle
0: so in this context it means contact means not only that we've just contacted with the enemy but that we are also under enemy fire or enemy attack yes yeah so he screams it nice and long and loud and then just starts unloading his weapon into the jungle Mm -hmm. And then we get a quick shot of Billy, who is the first to uh, join. We get another shot of the uh, predator now running off into the jungle just from the waist Mm -hmm. down. And a pretty cool little as the predator leaves the frame, we get a quick rack focus onto a leaf in the foreground. And on that leaf, uh, what do we see here? We got a little uh, presumably some predator blood. Mm. Hmm. I wonder what that can mean.
1: Hmm. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Quick, after that, we go back to some uh, of our team. Mac Mac, Mac. Is, Mac, is still firing his weapon, but he runs out of bullets. And my favorite reaction is he throws his hat yes. down. And then, this <laughs> I don't know why, throws his hat down, picks up the minigun, and just starts unloading Old Painless, Old Painless. into the jungle get. We, we can talk more about this but he unloads all painless all the other team members come up and join him they start unloading their weapons we got Billy we got uh, uh, Panchito, um and max so everyone's just unloading and that brings us to the end of the minute actually the very end of the minute is all four of them standing there firing off from left to right which is pretty great
1: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and Dylan will uh, we'll likely see Dylan, hey, Dylan! Uh, and his reaction here in the next minute we'll see if he joins the fray yeah but yeah just this, this is right. Some excellent camera work that you you're talking about with the uh, rack focus on the leaf as the predator is running away. We, we learned a little bit, a little bit ago how they had to film these things twice. Whenever he had the act camouflage going um, mm, to create that mm-hmm. hole in the jungle look, it looks like they still have the concentric circle hole in the jungle mat lines that they're creating to give the predator, the camouflage effect as he's running. And right. yet, he's also running out of focus as they do a rack focus. So somehow they're able to achieve that effect with the rack focus, which I think... Is a technically very impressive shot with glowing leaf in the foreground all of a sudden coming into play, and the predator mm. invisibly running into the background out of focus, which I, I think is yeah, you're really right, well done. It's it's things to keep in mind every time we see uh, the invisible cloak predator.
0: We as the audience are to believe that this is some a little bit of predator blood of some yeah. sort that has been splattered on the leaf. <laughs> yeah, if it bleeds,
1: we can kill it.
0: I ain't got time to bleed.
1: Are we about to talk weapons? We got some weapons here. Like I said before, this is one of the iconic scenes that I think about. I I, I think about um, Blaine dying because that's how my friend sold me on the movie was the way Blaine dies here at the beginning of the minute. Um, way back yeah. in the 80s, my friend would tell me, oh like he's he's hit from behind and like all his guts just go flying towards the screen and then the guy picks up the gun is and it's yeah it's it's play it plays out just like he was uh describing but yeah this yeah and then (laughs) mac (laughs) yells motherfucker so great how he yells yeah (laughs) he's yelling a few other things here during the minute i'm not really picking up what he's saying it's probably but you pick that up. right, yeah. That was an easy one to pick up. It's very loud and clear yeah. somehow over <laughs> <laughs> over all the the bullet bullet speak. Yeah, <laughs> he picks up the the old painless, uh, one of our protagonists of the movie, one of the heroes of the movie. Just unloads uh, on the jungle, and uh, we've talked about this before in, in detail. But the minigun, the M one thirty four A, is capable of six thousand rounds per minute and they had to slow it down to 1250 rounds per minute for the purpose of this hmm. movie. So that's still what we're looking at, I think overall is like 30 to 40 seconds of him continuously firing this from this minute to next. So that hmm. still ends up being like six to 800 rounds that he fires off. It's an unnatural amount of ammunition <laughs> right. to be carrying around the jungle. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, but it makes for great effect in the movie. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they, they, yeah, They said they could only load the weapon with enough blanks to shoot to to film about four seconds of the weapon firing even wow. at the slow down rounds.
0: And they were even worried about that, just having Jesse Ventura hold the gun, or in this case Bill Duke, hold the gun for that long, even while firing blanks. They had to like practice, right? To kind of figure out the gyroscopic <laughs> nature of the barrel spinning.
1: Yeah, that's something that John McTiernan is chiming in with his commentary about is that, yeah, mm. the worry was that this thing was going to just fly all over the place and maybe uh, severely injure Jesse Ventura so they initially like anchored everybody or they anchored Jesse and the weapon to the ground but then came to find that as he was firing it just the yeah the motion of the barrels the speed and uh, intensity of the barrels kept it basically just on a level on a level plane where it wasn't going to buck and spin and throw blanks everywhere. Right. Yeah. Um, they, it was such a big deal of filming that the crew would actually do a countdown when it was about to be hmm. fired. Like, oh, Old Painless is, you know, 10 minutes out from from firing it. And uh, John McTiernan says that Bill Duke, unlike Jesse Ventura, was not able to walk while firing the gun. Yeah. 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 Sorry, Bill, Sorry Duke. Bill Duke, but you're no <laughs> Jesse Ventura. Still a large man, but...
0: Uh, right, I guess not as much. You mentioned that between the weight of the gun, the weight of the necessary ammo, and then you talk about the weight of you would need a power supply for a gun of this size, yeah. right? And so the weight of that alone, it, you know, makes the idea of carrying this thing around the jungle almost laughable. Yeah, because the power supply would need to be like a car battery sized power supply correct yeah
1: and the way they i think excuse it away in this wide shot here of Bill Duke about 4 second 45 to 47 firing into the jungle is that the chain of bullets that that what appears to be the chain of bullets coming from the minigun i think is the power supply so he can fire
0: right it. you can kind of see that from the overhead shot that we get for a few
1: seconds along with all the foliage just <laughs>
0: disintegrating it's falling down
1: yeah.
0: i love how uh, constantly branches are just falling it's so oh, good it's so good just the squib
1: work is is amazing yeah yeah really tore down some jungle here um, but- can we talk for a moment about the sound effect
0: of the the minigun sure yeah Um, you brought to my attention, an interview with the sound designer of the movie, David Stone, Mm -hmm. and I found his description of how they did the sound effect of this pretty fascinating. Maybe I'll just read, read his remarks here because they're pretty good. David Stone says, uh, quote, if he built those effects out of, out to 3000 rounds a minute, he'd be back to having the sound of like a leaf Mm -hmm. blower. So that wouldn't work. It'd be like, you know, like too high pitched. Um, almost like a weed whacker in your backyard, which would be a really like grating, um, awful sound. So the final sound results from two kinds of, he calls it cheating for the sake of drama. One, the individual shots are bigger and deeper in the middle and low-end modulation than the real gun. And then part B, there are... Far fewer shots than three thousand rounds per minute. He layered a bunch of individual shots in clusters on the eight track so that none of their tails would be cut off. He went through this in several iterations until we both felt that he'd reached the right sound and that it repeated in a naturalistic way that sound that didn't sound uh, quote cutty. Mm-hmm. And the actual shot firing sound they chose to use was the sound of a fifty cal tank weapon. Yeah. Which I think is awesome. Which is why you get that really sort of like low. If you watch this this scene on like a big sound system, mm-hmm. the sound of that gun firing, you get these big heavy bass hits, dunk, 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 um, along with the sound of the of the gun spinning. Mm-hmm. And so that's where that comes from. Is like a, it's like a tank firing weapon that's being repeated over and over again. Which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing he adds is at the very end, when the, the gun stops spinning, that was the sound of like a lathe in a wood shop coming to an end, mm-hmm. uh, like turning off a lathe and bringing that you know, down to, to stop spinning. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. I I find sound design uh, issues and and work in movies, kind of an interesting thing that a lot of people don't think about sometimes. And, you know, in this scene in particular, it's incredibly important.
1: The sound is, is, you know, all encompassing
0: when you're watching this.
1: Yeah. I would agree with that, that we don't think about all the sounds that go into the movies uh, those if you ever watch the behind the scenes with foley artists they're making sounds for just about everything you see in in the movie someone will be like stepping through the jungle and you think oh that's a natural stepping through the jungle sound nope it's someone clopping some shoes on some leaves uh, next to a microphone that's how they're achieving the sound because there's so much ambience out there that you're trying to record like dialogue over that right it's it's Going to become muddled unless you layer it. And, you know, just like Audacity with all its different tracks, and you have to create some of your own mm-hmm. tracks.
0: Yeah. I mean, we, you know, footsteps, a door opening, you know, like all those things are almost always added in after the fact. Yeah.
1: I, I think the deepness yeah. that um, you were referencing, David Stone talking about that deep bass sound of the weapon mm-hmm. goes really well with the, the motif that we're seeing of this invisible killer um, mysteriously killing their comrades. They're not really knowing anything about their their adversary so it adds mm-hmm. it adds like this serious tone because if you listen to the weapon in real life it sounds like a chainsaw like a high-pitched yeah it, it doesn't sound anything like this weapon i think it would take away because with that high-pitched sound you're not gonna be able to hear bill duke yelling you're not gonna be hearing all like the high-pitched sounds of all the trees being cut down um, or the right. other people's weapons you would just hear that kind of like in the morning like when your neighbor is <laughs> doing some like i don't know buzz song or something like that and that's what you hear in the morning it's just that that's like the only sound you can hear you can't really hear anything else
0: Well, it's so distinct too because they, you know, the shot, all the other, you know, we get to hear that minigun for a little bit and then the other team members come in and start firing their weapons and it sounds so different, you know, like the automatic rifle sound, Mm -hmm. um, in contrast to that deep, like very mechanic sound of the, of the minigun just makes it so distinct and so cool. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, they really did a nice job with that. Yeah. Yeah. What was I going to say? Oh, I was going to say um, one of my new favorite shots from this movie because watching this over and over, you tend to gain appreciation. I, I really like at <laughs> second 36 to 37, uh, Bill Duke definitely has a hero pose where he's firing essentially over the camera. He's, he's straddling. Oh, yeah. Straddling. I don't know what he's straddling. I, my my head cannons tell me he's like straddling over Blaine's body, like still protecting it and just firing and yelling uh, into the jungle.
0: Yeah, it might just be that athletic, ready stance, too. He's just. Yeah. Yeah,
1: triple threat. Is he gonna he's pass? Getting, no, right, no, he's, he's a triple shoot. threat. Is he gonna <laughs> is he
0: gonna pass, shoot, gonna or dribble? dribble? Oh, Who knows? No, he's definitely gonna <laughs> shoot,
1: and he's gonna pick up another <laughs> weapon and continue shooting. <laughs> shooting all the time. <laughs> Great whip pan here as he picks up the minigun and starts firing for the first time. Whipped yeah. over, a <laughs> and it's not—it's not, it's not a, a clean whip pan because you can kind of see the cut as it freezes. But what, what does it freeze on? I'm just now noticing this for the first time. He's totally tearing up some banana trees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it would have been great to see just some exploding bananas here. Maybe some watermelon. <laughs> oh, right. I, I yeah. hate watermelon, I mean, so to see totally. them explode would be some sweet justice. Take that. I don't like watermelon. No. Water. no. no. T- tennessee wow. boy here and i just don't like watermelons never 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 mm. could trust them
0: <laughs> so just to kind of wrap things up on this iconic uh, shot here we all our team members minus uh minus dylan or dylan, dylan! dylan! Are firing their weapons into the jungle and we just i mean it looks like uh when i take my weed whacker out and go <laughs> go mow down the <laughs> the, the weeds against the back of my house, like stuff is just falling, falling, falling. And then watching this as a kid, I was always like, "Oh my god, they're wasting all their ammunition here." What are you doing? At the same time, I was like, "Yes, it's so awesome." <laughs> <laughs> but you know, come to find out, we are—they are not going to have killed the predator, of course, in this sequence. Oh. So, where where do you think the predator is during all this? Has he climbed high up into the trees? Is he actually to the side or behind them? Do you have a theory? Yeah.
1: Uh, this is something I've thought about every single time I've seen this scene ever since yeah. the beginning was how do they not hit anything because these are at least for the 80s these are the mo- you know some of the modern weapons of the 80s Uh, Shouldn't these be reaching, you know, several hundred yards downrange? Yeah. Uh, So something that is much faster than anybody or even the Predator could run can't really outmatch that speed. So where does he go? My guess is super duper high up in the trees because I I don't know. And I, I don't know if that's the case. Why aren't they aiming up because... Yeah, Mac is clearly looking up at him like an elevated position after he had taken out Blaine. So why is he not just just firing north-south as well as east-west as they're firing downrange? I don't know. I
0: wonder if it's just a you know hive mind that's happening here because
1: Mac is the first to
0: start shooting, and and as they all fall into line to to shoot as well, they might just kind of be copying the other team members around them and just mm-hmm. all kind of shooting off in the same direction because they didn't actually see the predator. So um, they're just firing where the others are firing because that's where presumably Mac saw them. Mac. Saw the predator. Mac. That's where Mac saw the predator, you know, take off towards. So, right. and they, we do see the predator run off on the ground. So mm-hmm. I guess it makes sense they would want to shoot on the ground. But um, I'm with you. I think he probably just quickly jumped up into the trees and he's high up in the canopy of that jungle, just laughing at them mm-hmm. wasting all their ammo. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, he was not on a tree that fell down, though.
2: right oh he would
1: just be riddled and yeah he'd be dead movie over but um maybe also because when you're firing the minigun remember you can't really move it up and down really easily because yeah. of the, the, the centrifugal force yeah. maybe like he's forced he wants to be yelling like aim high but he like can't be heard over the minigun although they
0: can Motherfucker!
2: yell him, yeah. Motherfucker! <laughs>
0: <laughs> pretty great and we'll get a little bit more of this into our next minute
1: correct yeah yeah, yeah. so no, we'll I think I'll talk more all arms going off at once Mm -hmm. uh, next minute because there's some other scenes from other movies we could reference uh, for fun.
0: All right. Well, we've come to the end of the minute here. Um,
1: Did you have other pieces to add? Did you want to talk field manual? I do. This is, I think, the first time in a long time we're talking about the field manual. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we haven't talked about the field manual for jungle operations in a while. This is the Army's manual from the 80s, I believe 1982, for how to conduct military operations in the jungle. Uh, This section is called Movement to Contact and Hasty Attack.
2: Hmm.
0: (laughs) That's apropos.
1: Yeah, it starts off by saying these two forms of combat are discussed together since they account for the majority of combat actions in the jungle. That's funny. Uh, So the movement to contact would be basically moving as quickly as you can to where the enemy is and then hasty attack. is just like it sounds like a violently executed hasty attack. (laughs) So you need to move to where the enemy is and you need to open up a large volume of fire which is exactly what the team does here um, it says combat combat in the jungle is characterized by long periods of developing the situation and looking for the enemy in short periods of violent and sometimes unexpected combat which I think is hmm. really apropos also to fitting, this minute yeah. Definitely unexpected combat as they're patrolling for Hawkins' body. They're not uh, necessarily thinking, "Oh, the enemy's right there, right, right around the corner." They they do kind of drop their guard if you think about it, and that's uh, something I wanted to mention to ask you. And our first two team member deaths. What are the lessons that the team is not learning, uh, horror wise, about uh, how to survive oh. this enemy?
0: There are a couple tropes here or, you know, uh, stereotypical things that they're doing that you see in horror movies before people die. Um, mm-hmm. One, the first one is uh, splitting up. Mm. Sp- splitting up the team seems to never be a good idea in a horror movie because it allows the killer to more easily take out the team one person at a time without the other team members knowing.
1: Oh. Um,
0: And so that happens a little bit here, although Mac is, you know, they're, they're finding individual team members pretty quickly, right? but each team member is getting killed, not while being observed. Like every time the team finds them after they've been killed. And then the second thing that I noticed is being distracted by little things. So we, we saw that with, um, more, most recently right now with, with Blaine, he gets distracted by that little skunk. And for that
2: porcupine. little moment,
0: that porcupine, excuse me, the, Please. the Mexican hairy dwarf. Um, porcupine. <laughs> um should probably throw the porcupine in there. <laughs> and, and just that moment of him getting distracted, he lets his guard down for just a second. And mm-hmm. that's when the the predator in this case strikes. And so we, we may see some more of these uh, horror tropes uh, show up as we continue on. But yeah, the splitting up of the team and then, you know, getting
1: distracted by little things are the two that jumped out at me right away. One little difference from the script would be the predator's blood in the script was orange, not green. Yeah. We'll learn more about how they create that blood effect later. It's right up Adam Pranica's alley. And then (laughs) um, I'll talk TV tropes for a minute and then let you close it out if that's okay.
0: Sure, yeah. I've got a a little more to say about our friend Blaine.
1: All right, well, with our 94th kill now on screen, 93 before this minute, one Mm. during this minute of Blaine, 94. 94. Uh, Kill count goes up. One more closer. Yeah, kill count goes up. We're One more closer to triple-digit land. Yeah. In the Holy Land. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we have plain... Uh- representing TV tropes wise, the sacrificial lion. We talked about Hawkins being the sacrificial lamb of the movie, but the sacrificial lion would be the sympathetic character who is slated to die so that the audience knows that the villain is playing for keeps or that the situation really is as dangerous and desperate as it seems. The death is ultimately unnecessary in the large scheme of things, but it does provide a shocking twist to proceedings with this being their largest, most powerful team member, right? Without necessarily counting Arnold in that bunch. Right.
0: It makes sense. Like the Hawkins dying was sad, Mm -hmm. uh, but not unexpected necessarily. He was kind of considered to be, you know, maybe the, the smallest, uh, I don't know if it's fair to say the weakest, but, you know, less physically imposing. Right. The Like um, the least soldierly, probably. Right, right. So it would make sense that he might die first, but we're not expecting Blaine to be the next to go. He is, uh, you know, besides, you're right, besides Dutch, he's kind of the manliest, biggest,
1: strongest guy with the biggest weapon out there. Oh, painless. Old oh, painless. Oh, painless is waiting. Yeah, so I, I came up with some examples. Well, I read them off the TV tropes, the ones that I most agreed with and threw in uh, one other one that wasn't there. But um, feel free to chime in if you have another one. It doesn't necessarily mean necessarily the the most powerful when we talk about Lion, but it can also be like the most important seeming, at least in the beginning too. Or like just a big character. Yeah, just like a major character. So someone like Phil Coulson in the Avengers movie, originally uh, he's killed by Loki. And you think this... Agent is important enough to the team of Avengers to stick it out and carry on to future movies. But no, he's killed by Loki there. Um, I always thought, and I agree with this one uh, from the TV tropes list, but Maggie Gyllenhaal's character from Mm. The Dark Knight. Yeah. She's blown up by the Joker when Batman is uh, finding Harvey Dent. That one is pretty unexpected because she's
0: already, uh, leading up to that, she's already put into dangerous situations a couple times and... Mm -hmm. Uh, she either gets herself out or is rescued by someone, and so you think she's going to be um, a character that's going to see the movie through.
1: And so yeah. that is pretty shocking when that happens. First time I saw it, yeah. Uh, Sam Jackson and Deep Blue Sea.
2: First, we're going to seal off. This
1: movie. <laughs> that's <laughs> a hilarious shark one. Ate
3: me. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: the shark just jumps out from behind him. Just. Oh, it slams him back to back and forth. Have you have you seen the
0: Dave Chappelle Sam Jackson no.
1: impersonation? No.
0: So uh, on Chappelle show, he had a skit where he was Sam Jackson doing a Sam Samuel Adams beer commercial. Oh my god! And, <laughs> and, he, and he keeps on like shouting lines from from Sam Jackson movies, <laughs> and at one point looks at the camera and goes and says something. He's like, "Fucking shark ate me." <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: uh, you know like the famous part that's memed from that is he goes mm, mm, it'll get you drunk <laughs> oh man the uh, same jackson oh you gotta you gotta look that one up i'm sure okay gonna i'm gonna have to watch, watch
1: the same jackson same adams <laughs> oh man it's really good Chappelle. Uh, probably, uh all right sorry keep going oh no I, i'm loving it um <laughs> and a lot of these are just like personal favorites i mm-hmm. i i love the character Muldoon in Jurassic Park and he goes out by having the uh, sneaky velociraptors taking oh, yeah. him out with like a kind of a secret pincer move yeah. clever girl clever girl yep clever girl yeah, uh, Carl Weathers from this hey. movie, of course. Yeah, as Apollo, he dies in Rocky IV. He's killed right. by Ivan Drago. Right, Drago. Yeah, that must have been really shocking in the fourth Rocky movie to have his <laughs> best friend killed. Yikes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. I I don't
0: remember the first time I ever saw Rocky IV. Um, I actually kind of forgot that he died in that movie till you mentioned it again. I always. I always remember the monta- training montage of him like carrying
1: logs in the snow. <laughs> that's what I always remember from that movie, because uh, that's how you train for boxing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the Firefly movie Serenity, Alan Tudyk's character dies. I remember seeing that and being shocked hmm. by that. I don't know if you're a Firefly fan.
0: No, I've never seen it. I've heard okay. good things though. Yeah.
1: Yeah, good little sci-fi western. Uh, another yeah. sci- little sci-fi western. Star Wars. You have. Hey. Yeah, that happens most of the movies, honestly. You have Obi-Wan Kenobi in the original Star Wars. You have 94. Qui-Gon Jinn and, uh, Episode One. Probably name one from each of the movies, uh, actually, and even from the latest Disney movies, too. Hmm. Uh, Boromir, Sean Bean's character. Sean Bean always dies in movies, so no, no <laughs> different he's playing <laughs> the lionized character Boromir in Lord of the Rings. Hmm. Um, and then I couldn't help but think of a, a book I read as this... Uh, apocalyptic zombie book series for young adults called the enemy uh, in which adults become zombies just by virtue of becoming adults. Hmm. Um, In the beginning of the, of the book, you have this really strong character, Aaron, who is quite virtuous and you think is going to be lasting this whole book series. And he dies pretty darn early on, not even, not even really by a zombie, but by someone who's mistaking him for a zombie, a (laughs) shocking death. And I remember being shocked, and having to put the book down and thinking this is this is crazy they would do it it was total uh, total subversion of what I was going to expect from this character
0: yeah wow yeah, yeah
1: so uh, any any examples that stood out to you from your own movie going or book reading
0: I'm having a hard time racking my brain I I we've I think it's come up before but uh, Steven Seagal dying and is it executive decision <laughs> Yep <laughs> <laughs> right at the beginning that was always I remember the first time I saw that
1: I was like oh. That's it. Okay. <laughs> what did you say? It's like um, Kurt Russell's like, "We're not going to make it," and Steven Seagal says, "You will." Close right? the hatch. Yeah. His, <laughs> his little body goes flying off. Yeah. Um, but
0: I'm I'm sorry. I I I can't uh, off the top of my head. I can't think of any 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 others. All
1: right. No problem.
0: Yeah. This brings to close this minute. We have another team member down. In keeping with the tradition that I established with our last <laughs> team member. Um, I I have a little eulogy here for Blaine in the form of a limerick, if if we're ready. Yeah. Or so cue the eulogy music, I guess. Yep. Title Blaine. He chewed tobacco like a man in need. He claimed to have no time to bleed. But this sexual tyrannosaurus had his chest blown into the forest, and now his shirt no longer says MTV.
2: Wow,
1: wow, take a bow, take a bow, and standing up right now, oh,
0: Oh, that was RIP Blaine, that was great, thank you, RIP, RIP Blaine, RIP the big man. Oh
1: my gosh, too good, Uh, too good.
0: All right, so weekly recommends,
1: yeah, let's after taking that moment of silence, let's take a (laughs) talk some weekly recommends. So, what do you have? to recommend well, to everybody. My weekly
0: recommend carries over from last minute, uh, which is to, uh, I recommended last week uh, to go see a movie that I hadn't seen yet, which was uh, Crawl. Um, and I, I went and saw it this week and uh, I really enjoyed it. It was super fun. It's uh, nothing groundbreaking, but if you want to go see just a summer popcorn uh, creature feature that's suspense filled from beginning to end, lots of big alligators, alligators, Um, It's rated R, so we get some good gore effects in there um, from crocodile attacks um i guess attack i guess it's alligators not crocodiles and uh yeah it's super fun it's a it's a quick 90 minute movie doesn't stop moving from beginning to end from a production level it's really impressive there is almost every scene is happening in water standing in water swimming in water um which i always find impressive Uh, that must take a lot of work to do that from a production level And uh, yeah, it was just really fun. Um, highly recommend it. Crawl.
1: Check it out in theaters near you. And you're saying crawl, right? Not crawl, the uh, movie where they fight <laughs> a giant crawl, monster. With a
0: no. Buzzsaw. Crawl. C R A W L. Okay. C-R-A-W-L. In oh, okay.
1: Now. Yes. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good.
0: Yeah. What, uh, what are you going to recommend there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well,
1: I was going to go the U route and recommend a movie I have not seen yet. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, after I finish Stranger Things season three later this week, I will be hmm. watching point blank, a movie starring Frank Grillo and Anthony Mackie on Netflix. Uh, simply Frank Grillo's scarred up face sold me on it. And uh, <laughs> goes on to summarize the movie as such to save his pregnant wife and emergency room nurse unwillingly partners with an injured murder suspect in a race against time and renegade cops. I'm going to go ahead and just give that a thumbs up before I even watch it. <laughs> it's already added to my list and I believe you said you
0: already saw it. I already watched it. Yep. And uh, I so I 2nd your recommend. It. it was fun. It's a good just kind of buddy action cop movie with a few twists and turns lots of gunplay yeah a perfectly reasonable direct to video direct to netflix uh action film oh it's directed by a guy named joe lynch who's done other pretty good movies if you like this one check out some other stuff that joe lynch has done
1: okay and i yeah. i just love 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 me some frank grillo just love oh him. yeah <laughs> yeah he's good That's in it too yeah Any, anything yeah. with him i'll be i'll be watching on netflix that shows up Cool, cool. So if uh, you have some good details, you listeners, yes, you have some good details about uh, this lionized character Blaine, or uh, the weapons used to kill him, or the minigun being fired into the jungle, (laughs) (laughs) Um, or any other things that you'd recommend, go ahead and drop a line uh, on Facebook. We are at predator minute listeners palapa (laughs) we're on twitter Mm -hmm. at predator minute and you can email the show at predator minute at gmail.com what about you jeff where can people find you you can find me on the twitter
0: carl underscore hungus three one four jeff glover come find me on twitter
1: yeah i think the last tweet i saw from you was you recommending crawl
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) probably i think i tweeted after i saw it it was uh or maybe that (laughs) night I really liked it. Awesome.
1: Awesome. Listeners, go check it out. You've been ordered by the recommend squad. (laughs) Uh, So for Predator Minute, I'm John Zabriskie. And I am Jeff Glover. And until next time, stick around, motherfucker. (gasps) Contact! Online, some dopes are yelling that maybe he's yelling sergeant, which would make no sense. No. What are you stupid. talking about? No, no. Oh, no!
0: Stop being dumb Stop online being people. Dumb. Listen to this podcast <laughs> and you'll be less dumb. Get it right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Come mm-hmm. listen to all forty-eight hours worth of predator talk. <laughs> <laughs>
2: everybody, this is Heidi Let off some steam. Bennett of Vibrant Visionaries Podcast and Spinal Tap Minute Podcast. And this is a quick little promo for an upcoming event that my co-host Sean and I wanted to tell you about, and it's Movies by Minutes Portland. Welcome to this promo, Sean. How are you doing over there?
3: Fantastic. Uh, thanks for having me.
2: We're going to be meeting up in Portland, Oregon on Saturday, August 24th for live podcasting games. On the stage, we've got the Movies by Minutes guys from Star Wars Minute. Actually, it's going to be a mashup of Star Wars Minute and the Godfather Minute.
3: Oh, wow. That sounds great.
2: Yeah. And then uh, we're going to have the newly pod game. Rick from Mad Max Minute is going to be hosting that. Vibrant Visionaries where I'm going to have the fellas from Open the Podcast Doors, Hal, (laughs) (laughs) which I think you could probably figure out which pod That is. Yeah. Yeah. And then just added the cast and the furious. So lots of live podcasting and some games going on. So I wanted to ask you about the game that you're going to be a part of. Why don't you tell me more about the cystic fibrosis fundraiser movie trivia tournament? Sure.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's a uh, trivia competition between teams of uh, movie podcasters and movie fans answering uh, trivia questions about movies in Portland on that Saturday will be uh, the final round to name this year's champion. And this is all to raise funds for research into cystic fibrosis. The contestants can get hints from the audience for, um, I think it'll be 5 or $10 or something like that.
2: Yeah. So just a little bit more about the event. It is actually the third year we've done this. We started by doing a Movies by Minutes in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Last year we went to Denver. This year we're in Portland. <laughs> <laughs> Tickets are $20. It's a family-friendly event, and it's really a social event. So we'll have a break for lunch. We'll have a beer and wine will be served. And, um, and then lots of live podcasting and just opportunities to socialize and, and hang out with fellow listeners, hang out with other podcasters. If you're a podcaster out there in the Pacific Northwest, we'd love to have you come and, you know, mix, mingle and swag swap with us. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's a, just a it's not just for the Movies by Minutes listener, but the podcast listener and fan alike.
3: This is not it's not a, a technical conference. If you've if you've ever been to a conference for work where everyone's talking about kind of the behind the scenes stuff and the nitty gritty there's certainly some of that that will be experienced podcasters there. So if you're looking to get your own podcast off the ground and and you want to talk to some people and, and get some input, there's that as well. But it's mainly for listeners. Listeners should, I think, would get the most out of it. See some, you know, see your favorite podcasts live on stage. And also there are a lot of folks that will be coming in from around the country and around the world the, the formal meeting itself that you need to buy a ticket to is just that Saturday, but we'll be around that whole weekend. I know a lot of the podcasters into board games. So if you're a big board game person, there's going to be informal gatherings of people playing board games. If, if you're into pinball and arcade games, I've been scouting out arcades in the Portland area, and there's a few that are not too far from the theater. So I'm sure there's going to be some pinball and video game uh, playing going on that weekend as well. So it really is a a whole weekend of uh, fun and events for, again, for podcasters, for listeners, for folks that just love to talk about movies. Sweet. We should tell the fine folks where they can get tickets.
2: Go to moviesbyminutes.com slash Portland. That's moviesbyminutes.com slash Portland to buy tickets. Again, tickets are 20 bucks.
3: Listeners, we look forward to seeing you there.
2: All right. See you in Portland. Stick around.